listen, I've been tracking you down. I'm, I'm going to say this. I know you've already apologized. I think it's two and a half years. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I'm sure you can understand my previous uh, commitments. And, um, you know, I always like to give um, a certain sense of privacy for clubs when I know I know that some of the work that I was doing was quite confidential. So I like to always give the respect to the clubs in that uh, that space. So that's why it was a little bit difficult. But, but yeah, yeah, it's good to chat. And hopefully we can share some of the journey that I've been on um, in this podcast. Well, Darren, we are now. We are so happy to uh, uh, be talking with you. What I'd like to do is firstly, just tell us where in the world are you and who are you, your current employers? So currently I'm in uh, Morocco and I work for a club by the name of Raja Casablanca, where I'm sure most of your listeners will be aware of. Um, massive club. Um, and I think one of the biggest fan bases in world football. So I'm incredibly privileged to be at the club. Um, we were based in Casablanca, of course, which is a, wow, a wonderful metropolis here in North Africa. It's um, a vibrant city. It's a busy city, something that you have to get used to. Um, in your first couple of days yeah so so yeah it's an exciting journey at the moment we've been here like three or four months um, so still trying to embed ourselves into the club into the culture of the city as well but really really enjoying it so far so Darren let's let's stay on this let's have a look at this so you you add Roger Casablanca which is I think one of the biggest clubs on the continent of Africa absolutely massive I watched the semi-final against Sundowns last year in the Champions League I couldn't believe the stadium and what was going on there and, and the hype what is football like in Morocco as a Moroccan fan how passionate are the supporters out there I think it's a cultural difference in terms of like how I experienced it from South Africa to North Africa it's um this is their life, you know, this is their, their everything in life is to come to the stadium for their club. Um, they have that uh, personal ownership of the brand, you know, where everything that the club does is, you know, they don't see it as the club and us, they see it as we are the club, you know. Um, so there's obviously a different level of intensity to the, to the, the fan base that they have. And um, this is where they actually have the specific groups that meet together before the match to discuss exactly how they are going to support with the TIFO and all of that and the fireworks in which minute. And so they have their own match preparation the same way that we have a match preparation. So I think just the level of dedication and ownership that they have over the teams is so much greater. Um, and it's just on another level in terms of throughout Morocco as well, because, you know, it's I've worked for Pirates and it's quite similar with Pirates fan base as Raja fan base in that anywhere you go in the country, there's a Raja fan. And it's the same way with Orlando Pirates. Anywhere in the country, there's a Pirates fan. So it's quite similar in that aspect. But I think just the intensity of the of the ownership that the fans have of the club is much, much bigger. So obviously, uh, serial winners, Raja Casablanca, um, on everybody's um, lips in terms in Africa because of the the size of the club. But let's just go back a bit. You know, your journey to Roger has been uh, filled with a lot of professionalism around other clubs as well. You were at um, Marisburg, you were at uh, Amazulu, you were at um, Pirates, sorry, as you just said. Can you just take us along the journey how you got to 
North Africa? Yeah, well, it all started at Amazulu, like you said, um, where I'm very grateful that the ownership at Amazulu and also Coach Steve Barker, also with the head of youth there, Steve Bersaden, they gave me an opportunity quite young and early in my career where I was brought in to be involved in the youth at the club. So I started first off as one of the, we had a connection with um, Glenwood High School where we owned the development of the, the players and we sent them into the, the, the school as well and had their housing and accommodation there as well. So we had a pretty full on youth academy. And at the same time, Steve Barker said, okay, come into the first team and do some analysis for us. So that relationship was created there. Um, and gradually it became more and more um, overwhelming from the analysis side. And I started to step more and more into the first team in terms of those responsibilities. Um, and then from there, I worked year upon year and each year closer with the first team and experiencing all that comes with that and gradually moving towards that. And then finally, Coach Rulani Mokwena from Orlando Pirates gave me a call to say that they wanted to set up a more high performance uh, performance analysis department within Orlando Pirates. And that was with uh, Michael Lothman, who's at Sundowns with him now, and also Carl Solomon, who's at um, Alwada now with Coach Pizzo. So the three of us went into that department and we tried to create as high performance performance analysis department as possible. Um, my time at Orlando Pirates was incredible because... Uh, you know, we had cup finals. I experienced different coaches throughout the, the environment, working with Coach Micho and Coach Rulani in the beginning, like I said, um, working with Coach Fadlu, who I still work with now, Coach Zinbawa, Coach Mandla. So several, several highly, highly um, experienced coaches and learning a lot from each environment and the technical, technical, tactical and and all the different methods that they use to train the team and work in the environment. So that was really, really incredible. Um, and also just the experiences of working for a club like Orlando Pirates. Like I said a few moments back, just a fan base that you can walk into any part of the country and there's an Orlando Pirates supporter there. So it was an incredible experience. Also just um, learning also from the peers that Orlando Pirates brought in, um, in terms of technical team, because it's constantly an environment where they're looking to evolve all the, all the time. So we had goalkeeper coaches like Andrew Sparks, who was from Southampton, who's now assistant manager at Reading. We had Yuri Niminen, who was with us from Red Bull, New York, who's now at Feyenoord. You know, he was in a Champions League game and we still in touch with each other and we were discussing on his flight on the way to Atletico Madrid just the other day. And they're playing in a Champions League group stage match. So it's just the amount of... Uh, the amount of knowledge that's in the building, you know, that you have to tap into. So it was you know, an incredible. Just come in there, Darren. I just want to come in there because this is what supporters don't know. Supporters yeah, yeah. don't know the behind the scenes, what uh, a club like Orlando Pirates, a massive club like Orlando Pirates, in order to get the best out of their players, who they bring in to be part of this performance team to get the team prepared. You know, supporters don't know that. They just think, well, there's a coach, and with assistants, and the assistants are all from Africa. Yet, Dr. Ivan Koza has gone out and been instrumental in getting some of the best people in the world in the job to come through and be at Pirates. Yeah, that's something that you can certainly give kudos to Pirates on because they're definitely a club that's forward thinking. Um, and you can see even 
post my departure from the club, they've continued to do that. You know, they're still bringing in um, staff members to improve the performance of the players all the time. So it's this constant level of um, evolution of the club, looking to what's next. And they've definitely got that within the ownership. Um, yeah, but just the, the, the continued level of performance of bringing the staff up to then improve the players on the field. And that's maybe, like you said, the supporters don't know that, but that's something that I'm sure has taken place and will continue to take place because that's the modernization of South African football that needs to happen is not only Pirates being the only one and Sundowns and Chiefs, but throughout the, the PSL structures is to continue to improve the support structures of the players. Um, and I'm sure you can see that taking place slowly, but it needs to happen a little bit more um, with more impotence now to get our level of football to improve. So you, you, you depart from Pirates, you go to my hometown team, because I'm from Peter Mattersburg. Yep. Go to uh, a club that we couldn't even get a peep out of to talk to, even though I was talking directly to the owner, week in, week out. Tell us about your experience there. Yeah, first of all, departing Orlando Pirates is a really difficult decision to make. Um, and luckily, I've got the support of my wife in this. But uh, yeah, it was time to step out of performance analysis for me and I needed to get that practical experience of coaching on the field. So so first of all, with respect to Pirates, is leaving the job without having communication with other clubs, without you know having the next job, but knowing that it was time to move on. So there was a difficult period of sort of six months. Of, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Having my wife as the main breadwinner, which is <laughs> also part of the job in some stages. So, yeah, we had to step out and then had a few offers and um, had to wait for the right one. Uh, this also uh, came in at a time where Coach Zinbauer and Coach Fadlu Davids called me to go to, they went to Locomotive Moscow at the time. I'm sure you would have heard. Um, but yeah, again, with consultation with my wife, we decided it wasn't really the right move for us at the moment. So again, a couple of PSL offers, which didn't fall in the right way. And then, okay, football is round, the ball keeps rolling. And Coach Fadlu went to Maritzburg and obviously gave me the call to go with as his assistant. Yeah, uh, Maritzburg, incredible club, incredible fan base again. Uh, you know, everybody knows Friday nights at uh, Harry Kuala, so... I, yeah, I don't remember it to be Harry Kuala. I remember it. It was called Jan Smart Stadium. That's what it used to be called. Now it's got a new name. <laughs> no, an incredible city as well. You know, Maritzburg, I'm sure you know, coming from there, it's just, again, um, a city like no other, you know. Um, Friday nights already from a Thursday afternoon, you can see the whole town is preparing for the weekend. So <laughs> it's definitely a city where, where that Friday night comes and, you know, you have to be ready for performance. Um, but yeah, this was, the, this was the time where I really learned a lot in terms of practical coaching. You know, Coach Fadlu is someone that he has taught me a lot and continues to teach me a lot, you know. Um, I still work, you know, coming in every day, discussing football ideas, discussing everything that uh, entails, you know, the, the holistic development of the players and also discussing the leagues at large. You know, we're always still following South African football from here in Morocco, so... Um, it's definitely someone that has played a big influence in my uh, development and also coach Zimbabwe you know we when you talk about learning from a coach who who has all the soft skills of management he has someone who is really able to take a lot from each department within the club I mean we've just spoken about how at Pirates there were 
so many key fundamental um, staff uh, members with really high experience. And you need someone always who is able to, to combine that, to homogenize the system, to bring that into, um, into one, you know, to one holistic team. And, and, and Coach Joe re really has that here. Um, whilst allowing each department to re really work to their, their maximum, you know, give them the freedom of that. So he has a good balance of that. So we were at Maritzburg and um, once our time there finished, we got the call and obviously to come to a club like Raja, you have to take it. Um, so we come here, not only Coach Fadlu and myself, but Coach Joe also brought Moise with us, the analyst. Moise Cagey is here with us as well. We've got Mark Chavez, who is a Swiss assistant coach who is with us as well. Stefan Lebeau is our goalkeeper coach. He's also a previous player. So he played in Germany, but also at Golden Arrows. So, you know, football is a small, small world and you never know who you come across again. So, Darren, what I'd like to do, I'd like to now go into two directions, which I want you to talk about. Let's talk about the performance analyst side of the game, which you know very well. Yeah. And then we'll go into coaching a bit more because this is the other positive side of the game. You know, you, you are you for B licensed coach, firstly. Okay. Yeah. Tell us about performance analyzing. What is this? Now, think about breaking it down for a supporter like myself. Because when I was playing football, there was no performance analyst. It was just Gordon Ingerson standing on the side. You run 35Ks a week. You fit for the weekend. Uh, everyone runs 35Ks a week. Everyone does the same thing. The goalkeeper, we're all doing the same thing. As Jurassic training as you've ever come across. <laughs> so what is performance analyzing? You know, performance analysis has, I think it's one of the biggest areas of development that has happened in world football. So... It encompasses a lot of different components at the moment. Uh, maybe in the beginning it was, you know, Darian standing at the top of training with a camera and recording the training session or the match and afterwards watching it over four or five times and picking out certain moments and clips. And then you probably just alone with that, you're one of the high level performance analysis departments in South Africa. So <laughs> just alone with that. But I think the development has been so big um, over the last couple of years, especially now. Now, performance analysis is, has so many components where you have data analysts who are involved in the physical uh, department of football as well, where they are combining with those GPS units that you see all the players wearing before the match. And they are working on the load of the players along with the conditioning department. So you are getting the data analysts to combine with your performance and conditioning departments, and they are managing the how much should we train, who is, and every aspect of this is individualized. You know, there's so much specificity that goes into it where it's not only where is the team's conditioning level, it's also where is Courtney's conditioning level? How much does he have to do? Or how much does Darian have to do today? And everything is uh, really specific in terms of that. So that's your data side of it is working with the conditioning department. Then maybe your data side is also working on recruitment. So that's another part of uh, performance analysis that's got its own section where you have got your scouts and you've got your data analysts who are searching in the data to find maybe gems from other teams that we can sign to improve our team. Or they are working on tracking our statistics. How are we developing as a team? 
How is Courtney's crossing? How many times is it successful? Is he playing progressive passes? Is he not playing progressive passes? Is that something then that he, we as a data department can flag to our video department where we can say, hey, the data is showing Courtney is not being successful with these progressive passes. Why is that? Now we go maybe and look in the video and we can see that, oh, maybe he is not scanning before he receives the ball. Okay, you make all of those compartments. Then maybe that gets taken with the video analyst and with the coach. And maybe we sit down with Courtney and we say, Courtney, these are the actions, these are the data. And then we maybe create a training session from that. And then the training session gets created where you're given that broken down aspect to improve and then take into the team's holistic training. So like I said, it's football is really, really holistic at the moment where the conditioning department, the performance analysis department, the coaching department is all combined into one at the moment. And then you have that professionalism of each department really, really trying to combine to get the best out of the individual player. And then to get the best out of maybe the unit of the defensive line and then to get the best out of the team as, it's, as a whole. So you really need each department functioning as high a performance aspect as they can in order to get the best out of the team. Yeah, then you put that together so well. You know, I know it's more than that, but you put it in such a good summary. It, 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 while you were talking, I, I've got a few questions for you. And because these are my bugbears in football, but your summary of such a large area, because you also spoke about recruitment as well. You know, the analyst is not just looking at the current team. You're looking for the next player to come and fit into this model. That exactly. is such a broad um, department, which a lot of people don't know exists in football. Yeah. You know, the work that's going on behind the scene in order to enable the manager to be effective. What do you feel that department, your department, brings to the manager? First of all, I think maybe now I gave it to you in a, in a perfect world. So that's really in a perfect world what a performance analysis structure looks like. Yeah. Reality also is something different because of funding, because of maybe you don't have enough staff members. So maybe that what I gave you in the perfect world, maybe in, a, in reality, it could be one guy doing all of that. It could be one person where in clubs before, like I said, maybe you're in a smaller club in South Africa, it could be one person who's tasked with doing all of that. So you really have to be somebody who can who can maybe one of the most important things and working with the coach, knowing what the coach needs in terms of priorities. So what is the priority for the coach and the department that you work with, but what is also priorities for the club that you work with? So like you said, it's, it's scouting, it's opposition analysis, it's post-match analysis, it's individuals, it's um, working with the conditioning department. It's working with all of these different specific departments whilst also being able to manage your own time and also be able to work for future things. So like you said, scouting is something that happens within the next window, but it cannot be in the next window that you are ready for to, to make action and ready to work. You need to work with in between your time to be ready for that moment where it's time to put it into action. So in reality, it's also <laughs> phone calls from management. It's phone calls from, from the coach saying, an agent just recommended me this player. Do we sign him? Yes or no? And, you know, you have to be ready to answer those questions. So it's a lot about managing your own time whilst staying on top of everything else. You know, really, really important aspect of, of being a, a good performance analyst. 
what is game day preparation like? Put us in the, as a supporter, you are in the team, you are in the hurricane of preparing this team for going out, going to war, going to get the three points for the fans. What is game day preparation like? Well, there's a holistic side to it, as always, like I said. So the performance areas all combine to create the day. So it's really, it's really, really a, a schedule that is an informed schedule, right, for the players, because everything is thought and taken into context. We planning how long we want them to sleep prior to the 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 day that they wake up. We are planning what they are going to eat for the day and what when sorry, they are. Sorry, sorry, I have to stop you there. Sure. You, you plan sleep patterns. Yeah, of course, because sleep is such an important um, sleep is such an important performance indicator um, in modern football that if you are sleep deprived, your level of performance um, takes a, a huge deficit. So we are planning how much we want the players to sleep. We are discussing with the players how much we want to, them to sleep. Um, in modern football, we are tracking how much the players sleep because we have apps for that now. So we know exactly how much they sleep. We know if they had a good sleep, where they woke up, how much REM sleep that they have. So it's really, really important part of, part of performance. Then, like I said, nutrition, so important. Um, we plan what they eat. We plan um, when they eat, which is so important as well because we want them to have... Um, peak performance at the time of the game we don't need them to be high full of energy after the match or high full of energy before the match we need them to have it at game at the kickoff time so so that's so important in terms of just the planning of the day and the planning of the structure and then there's really really either a, a, a reminder of set piece meeting in the morning or maybe there's information that the coach wants to give in the morning and then the pre-match tactical agreements, which everybody sort of has now in modern football, where we are just trying to preview the match for the players. So we're trying to give them solutions for what they might encounter, which is all to improve their performance on the field. It's all to free up their decision-making on, the on the field. It's just to give them a few seconds quicker of being able to find a solution on the pitch to say, oh, you told me the winger is going to press me in this manner so I know how to solve it before that action takes place or I'm aware of this winger always likes to dribble on his right foot I need to close the inside instead of closing the outside and that's all the player still has to execute the player still has the final decision on the pitch but it's all to give them that final decision making and then finally arriving at the pitch you know there's still a lot that goes into that and finally getting the opposition's lineup and being able to interpret that for the players and final moments of encouragement from the coach and anything tactically that he might want to adjust and then also the warm-up how important the warm-up is um, and also being able to tweak it a little bit for each game because like I said um, maybe before we started recording but here in in Casablanca and different parts of Morocco you have quite extreme weather in terms of heat so it's also being able to manage the players physically in not overloading them in the warm-up, but also getting them into a stage where they're ready for competition. And then finally, it's that connection with our fans before kickoff. So it's really something incredible once you're in the stadium. It's managing the nerves of new players that are coming into a big club like Raja and having that wall behind them of supporters and knowing what it means to play for them. So there's so much that encompasses playing and match day preparation 
but a lot of it is psychologically to get the players ready for performance. That's that's the main thing. You know, Darren, that, that is such a an in-depth perspective of, of match day preparations. I never thought that you'll track sleep. Never thought of that. Uh, nutrition, well, obviously, yes, that is an important aspect. But when I played, our pre-match meal was toast and honey. <laughs> that's what it was. And everyone ate the same thing. Um, and some people would eat too much toast, not be able to run later <laughs> because they're overloading themselves. You know, it's so nice to hear how the game has evolved and the professionalism in the game that you guys bring, which is, you know, you, you can then see that these are highly tuned athletes who are well looked after, you know, and, and it's all down to your management. But what about the player's well-being in this tense pressured environment especially at Roger Casablanca because you know I was looking and I'm going to go back to the semi-final last year against Sundowns I was looking at the fireworks displays I was looking at the supporters I was looking at the banners there is such a passion and an intensity from the supporters but how do you manage the players well-being you know we have um we have something called IDPs which are individual development programs and these are Really now, we, there's a lot of work that we do in terms of the team and um, the team's development. But I think this is the major step in football where it has come now into these IDPs where every single individual player has all of his data and all of his performances put into one platform where we are able to track all of this and be able to have... Um, a lot of information about his wellness, about his um, physical well-being and also his mental well-being in one page. But I think even more important than technology and the input that we get from the different technologies that allow us, it's also the time that we spend having individual contact with players. So I think that's such a high um, that's such a high priority for us at the club and the different clubs that we've worked at in that really taking the time out to spend with the players and then have these conversations and discuss their performance, but also discussing off the field um, things and stuff like that. And having this really holistic view into the mental well-being of the players is so important. But I think the main thing is just taking the time out because like you hear, I mentioned it right in the beginning when we're talking about performance analysis, there's so much that can be done in football. Like, Every hour of the day, you can choose to do something to improve the team. As an analyst, as a conditioning coach, as a goalkeeper coach, as, as a head coach, there's so much that can be done in every hour of the day. And then it's just about what you choose in your specific department to work on in that moment. So for us, uh, there's a really high priority on that individual care. Um, and taking the time out to sit with each player and have these conversations because maybe in the first sort of meetings you won't be able to get out of the players these deep care concerns that you are talking about now like oh i have fear when i step on the pitch or when i made that mistake this is what i was thinking maybe it wasn't even a technical component or a tactical component maybe it was like you say a mental component where he had fear when receiving the ball before the possession even came to him and that's why the turnover occurred but you, want, you probably won't get that out of him in the first meeting with you. He probably will be too afraid to say to you, oh, I was scared, coach. You know, I was having this moment of fear. But 
if you consistently take the time out and build up the relationships with the players, that's where it's so important for the coaching staff as a whole to have relationships with your players where you can go to each other and say, no, tell me, how did you really feel? Or tell me, how is your wife? How is your kids? I noticed this. I noticed that. Um, for our international players, how are you settling in? How are you, how are you doing in Casablanca with, like I said, the chaoticness of the city and how busy it is? How are you um, adapting to the environment? So I think this is where it's so important to have it. But to be able to prioritize this time takes careful planning, takes detailed uh, communication within the staff. It takes someone like the head coach sitting us down and saying, Darian, you are really responsible to sit with so-and-so in these next two days. Make sure the meetings happen. Make sure you have these discussions with them. So as it's always this balancing act of these informal conversations need to be having, uh, being had within your environment. And then that informal conversation might be something that you relate to the coach which then becomes a formal meeting for someone. So it's really all the time the technical team taking in information from the environment and then trying to act on that information that we have. You know, putting these components together, Darren, you, you can see how technical football has become and how it's evolved, as I spoke about earlier. But I'm going to bring you back to South Africa now. I'm going to bring you back to Bafana, the bane of my life. I've honestly, um, I, I've got no hair because of that tea. But but I want to read something to you. This is Hugo Bross last night. And I quote him. I don't know why the team is playing like this. No rhythm, no passion. I don't know what is happening. That is the coach. Help me, Adrian. <laughs> help me. and No, not help me. Help us understand what is going on. Give us your perspective here, please. But already I have a perspective on this prior to the, the, the fixtures being arranged um, that we would play, you know. So I think we knew going into these games what type of opponent that we would play against. And I think Coach Hugo also mentioned it before that in order for us to really become a successful team, we have to be able to play against different opponents. So when we have our higher profile teams and we have to become a little bit more of a deep block and medium block team and we can transition into space, yes, we can do that as Bafana. Um, and when we have to play against an opponent where we have the dominance of the ball and where we play against a team that defends and uh, is quite compact and they have the transition space, that I think we have to work on this aspect a little bit more. So I think going into the game, I think the national team staff were, were aware that this might have been the outcome that occurred, the outcome that we, we played in this draw. So I think as much as the coach is saying um, he's disappointed by the performance, I don't think it was a performance that he is utterly surprised by in terms of they knew that this is a component that we need to work on as a national team so yeah. i think sorry sorry i've got to ask you this because you've been very diplomatic yeah i can see you 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 don't want to trade yeah but i have to do this to you i'm very sorry to stop you sure. think of where football is now think of yeah. what you and i've been speaking about uh i would say for the last 40 minutes 
Think about the advantages. Think of the technology. Think of how the game has progressed. Think about, you know, REM sleep, you know, rapid eye movement, sleep, which is all these things being monitored. All the advantages players get. There couldn't be a worse Bafana now than there ever is. So let's go back 20 years. Okay? When this technology didn't exist. Phil Massinger, the late great Phil Massinger, the Dr. Kumalos, the late John Mashu, the great Neil Tovey, the great Mark Fish had none of these advantages. But the national team flourished under them. Flourished. We were a big hitter. Now, we blew square conference. What is going on? You know, Courtney, I think this is where, this is where South Africa has a little bit of a um, a small problem, in my opinion, in that, yes, we always look towards the past when we want to discuss our current situation as Bafana. So we always, because of how maybe successful our history was, to be honest, because of the feeling our history gives us, because we are such a nation that has this, when we look back on our, our achievements, when we look at back at the, the style of play that we had, there's so much pride that falls us. So I think a lot of the times when we look at any of our current crop of players or we look at our current crop um of Bafana Bafana itself the game model we always say okay well look at the past why can't we play like we played in the past why can't we be as good as we were in the past or that is the that is the starting point for all discussions as as South Africans let's be honest but I think we always have to we have to look to the future now we have to look to um we have to start to predict our performance we have to start to improve and and evolve our performance as Bafana so I think if we talk about qualifying for AFCON, okay, achieved really, really, really important achievement and being able to take the next steps now is so important is going there and having a good performance. So yes, maybe we are, we are volatile as a nation in terms of our, we have one performance now that wasn't the best, but we, we want to act on that now immediately and raise that volatility towards the nation where I think, more importantly, is us having a little bit of a bigger, broader strict spectrum at the moment and saying, well, are we on the right trajectory as a base trajectory and qualifying for the tournament? Yes, we are. Okay, good. What next can we improve from our performance? And I think that's where holistically we need to be able to take this into account. And that also, in a smaller objective way, includes the performance of yesterday, where we say, how do we deal with teams that are going to sit off against us? How do we deal with that? Because it's not going to be the only time that this happens, but it's going to happen, okay, in the future now as well. And what are the steps we're going to take now in the next upcoming performances against these type of teams? So while I agree with you, Courtney, I think, yes, we all have the our heartstrings that look at our yesteryear performances, but we really always have to be looking now into the future and how we can evolve this crop of Bafana Bafana players and how we can support this group of Bafana Bafana players going forward. So, Wilkin, I'd want to say thank you very much for your time. Thank you for your insight. Um, thank you for your honesty. I didn't know the job of a performance analyst tracked some of the things you guys track. Thank you very much for today. Courtney, thanks for sticking around for the past two years for this meeting. <laughs> <laughs> Darian, I hope you have a fantastic day. It's always a pleasure to speak to you. Cheers. Yes, sir.